This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Back by no one's demand but our own... From the less than sunny, still scenic DraftKings Sportsbook Studios here in Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions Podcast. Welcome back. Happy to have you guys in for another edition. We got Emily Proud of WKRN News 2. We're going to dive into some Titans topics together before we ship off for the Combine next week. Exciting stuff. Before we do that, got to tell you quickly about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. They have so many great things for you at Two Rivers Ford, from award-winning customer service to so many quality American-made Ford vehicles. They have the Built For You program, which you can find out more about at tworiversford.com, which allows you to take any Ford, any color, any customizable accessories, build the perfect vehicle for your family and for your needs. They'll build it for you, deliver it right to your door. It's all of the things that Two Rivers Ford does so well combined into one great program. And, by the way, you can go out to the dealership in Mount Juliet and you can check out, check out one of the largest selections of Ford vehicles in the state of Tennessee. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. Let's get to M. Welcome back to the 615 Sessions podcast on this Friday. We got Emily Proud of WKRN News 2 in the house. Uh, M, we were talking about it before we went on air. I think we're the only ones not at the stadium today for the stadium series. Everything has been basically Preds this week. So we had to find a little time for some Titans talk. Hey, good for the Preds dominating the news cycle. I mean, they've, they've taken hold of all of it too, by winning and with Pekka and stadium series. So we'll, we'll give them their due. They've earned it. Did you go to Pecorino, uh, Pecorino night last night? I did not, but uh, Kayla brought me back this nice little 35 pin. So oh, that's lovely. I know. Okay. To commemorate it. I actually, I talked to him on Monday. We did one-on-ones. He did the media car wash. And so I was able to catch up with him fresh off a 22-hour uh, flight. And I don't think the, I guess the flight itself was not 22 hours, but the trip. And with a one-and-a-half-year-old. So, um, yeah. But, of course, he was lovely as always. That's Pekka for you. As, as somebody who has done a 22-hour flight recently, uh, but not with a one-year-old, I can uh, attest to the exhaustion of that. So that makes him all the more impressive. But in the meantime, Combine is uh, getting ready to roll up on us. Draft prospects are all over the place. It sounds like it's going to be fairly normal. Uh, at this point, even though what the NFL tried to pull with the whole bubble situation for prospects, try to slip that one in there about 10 days before everybody was getting ready to report. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, semi-normal, but I know they need a bunch of different things on this roster, given where everything stands in free agency and just general need. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they've got a hit. I think that uh, all eyes are on John Robinson, especially after that 2020 draft class. Redeemed himself, I guess, a little bit in, in 21, but you still, you know, don't have your first round pick for the majority of the season. And um, so certainly it's it's all eyes on what he does in the draft. And it, it starts at the combine, right? That's when you get to ask the strange questions behind closed doors. And it's the Underwear Olympics. So I'm sure there's a lot to take away from it. Uh, nothing the underwear olympics it's just it pisses me off that they're going to make even more money off of this it shouldn't piss me off because this is how we all pay our mortgages but uh i i just think it's so ridiculous that people are going to spend more money that when they try and turn this thing into the like the draft when they take it around the country and you know the la thing i get because the nfl network studios are all there but it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the prospects i mean you saw this as much as I did, what did you make of the way that agents were getting ready to hold their gu- about half of the inv- invitees out of this whole situation where you got over 300 and I think it was like 325 total prospects invited 150 plus were thinking about just punting on everything but the medicals because the way that the NFL just tried to slide in. Hey, you're going to be in a bubble away from your nutritionists, doctors, agents, all the people that you need around you at this particular time. Yeah, no dice. No, I think we've officially gone past the uh, just happy to be here stage of COVID where we will accept whatever is our, um, you know, whatever they decide, the decision makers. Um, Ultimately, I think we've gotten to the point where it's like, all right, let's try to uh, get back to some semblance of normalcy. And and when it comes to this sort of thing, I'm always going to side on the on the student athlete. Well, I guess not student athlete anymore on the athlete side, um, just because it typically the the power is less there and the money is less there and they're still trying to get to that next level. And so it's good to see them come together and actually get a win. I thought it was kind of cute that the NFLPA backed them that although we don't have you necessarily um, quite yet Yet. in terms of being, not yet, uh, although you're not yet a part of our organization, uh, we're still looking out for you. And um, I thought that was nice just to see them help in solidarity and for something to happen so quickly to too. I thought that was that was pretty impressive. I, you know, there were rumors all over the place from the um, you know various guys in the NFL that break all the news uh, about the severity of the holdout and whether or not it was as extreme as it was originally uh, presented. But ultimately, they they got it done and they got it done pretty quickly. So kudos. Well, I mean, uh, the whole the whole idea of it, and it's just such an easy PR win for everybody who's not the NFL, right? When you lob that up there for the PA to just be like, "Hey, we don't got you yet, but you know what? We'll curry some good favor with you." You know, whether it's whether it's a nice, whether it's actually a nice sentiment or a, a PR win or just both, because the NFL weirdly didn't seem to have like a backup plan for this. And then once the agent said, "Nah, we're gonna hold our." hold our players out they're just kind of like okay you know my our bad our bad because so are you saying that this was some sort of elaborate plan where they you know in a negotiating tactic where you ask for the world which in their case was to go back to a bubble situation although it looked like that was not necessary so then they could come back on it and say you know we're going to do this out of the kindness of our hearts when in reality this is what they're going to do anyway is that what you're saying Buck? i i think that you're weird i think even that gives them entirely too much credit <laughs> for how badly they botched this but you know everything everything seems like it's going to be as custom combine is or, or at least as close to normal as we're accustomed to being with the NFL combine and you know for I mean for us it's been what 2020 Isaiah Wilson specifically is the last player I remember talking to 
on a podium um, in the Indianapolis, in the Indiana Convention Center. Uh, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are going to meet with the media on Wednesday. I guess the biggest question for for either of those uh, two gentlemen, Emily, is where they feel the holes on the roster are the most, but understanding that we're probably not going to get a straightforward answer on that. Yeah. I mean, you look at the you look at this draft and you have to think that offensive line and skill positions, pre- preferably pass catchers, even though they probably could use a running back as well, are going to be prioritized because the defensive side of the ball figure out Harold Landry and the rest is kind of set. Yeah. I mean, that's because the defense was kind of set last year and they were the ones that were, were carrying um, the team for the most part. And so absolutely. I mean, I think a, a question was presented to me. Do you like Nick Westbrook Akina as a wide receiver three option? And I said, yeah, if he's the actual wide receiver three, but the problem is, is based on the attrition that the two guys ahead of him and Julio Jones and AJ Brown have shown that they go through uh he gets called upon for way more than he absolutely needs to be called upon for and that's no offense to him he's great in his role as uh you know not one of the top wide receivers but because of injuries that clearly you know it's one of those situations where if somebody shows you who they are believe them we see that aj brown is somebody that's going to deal with with some injuries from time to time and julio jones obviously is um you know on the downward part of his career and he's getting up there in age and so Yes, you need to bring in some sort of help. And I think that it was evident by the fact that the Titans drafted um, Des Fitzpatrick last year, and, and, you know, with a, one of their higher draft picks and traded up for him as well, that they knew that this was going to be a need for them. Obviously, it didn't turn out the way that they anticipated with him not even making the initial 53-man roster after training camp, but they know that that's a need. Same way that they've continued to draft offensive linemen high up in the draft. They are signaling that that is a need. We need to get younger at that position. We need to start bringing in the future at that position. And so I think that that was something that they hope to address last year and it didn't necessarily come to fruition. Um, but hopefully this year, I mean, by all the draft analysts that do this thing 24, seven, 365, it seems like it's a pretty deep wide receiver class. And so hopefully they can hit on a guy or guys. I, I could see them taking multiple. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I, I try not to, I try not to get too invested in, you know, what I see them doing, right. Because none of us would have said that John Robinson would have waited until day three to take a wide receiver in last year's deep wide receiver class, and then much less to trade up for the guy who couldn't even make the active roster once the season officially began. And, you know, what what contributions they may yet get out of, I mean, guys like Darrington Evans, for God's sakes, or uh, Dylan Radens or Caleb Farley. I mean, there's there's so much there that we don't have the answers to, and it feels like their window very much hinges on something collectively out of the last three draft classes even coming together beyond Christian Fulton and, and, you know, Elijah Molden to his credit, Monty Rice uh, injured injuries ended his season. Rashad Weaver injuries ended his season. Like they, they were so unlucky with the rookies and on top of everything else that it's tough to kind of know what you have beyond the guys who were talking about on second contracts or veteran stop gaps, basically where you're trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do at the tight end position. You have zero answers there, given that all three of those guys in the room, minus Tommy Hudson, are unrestricted free agents. And there's not really a great case to bring any of them back. 
Yeah, I heard I heard what you did there in the beginning when you said pass catchers. You're being very specific because it does include tight ends as All well. Of <laughs> All of them. And that was another surprise that another draft came and went and they didn't draft any tight ends I know headed into the draft and we do all of our draft specials and we you know do all the research and try to make sure that we know potential targets for the Titans and we're ready to go from from our standpoint from a TV standpoint we try to predetermine who we think that they could potentially take so we have video ready of those guys and we've made connections with their schools to make sure we have all of that ready to go on draft night and it's just a complete, you know, an utter confusion as to wait, why are we waiting so long for a wide receiver here and no tight end? I mean, you had all these different guys that, that you're really excited about in last year's draft class. And again, I think the, the experts are predicting some decent options here this year as well with the tight end class. So it's just, it just seems to be one of those confusing things where you, again, you don't know what you've got. And I think that the same could be said, you know, we talked initially about the 2020 draft class and how they came in with so much uncertainty and they yeah. didn't have OTAs and rookie minicamp. And so they looked at year two as almost like another rookie season. And you saw Christian Fulton take a major step. So who could potentially be somebody from the 2021 draft class that makes that big step forward? Um, but certainly you're thankful to have 2019 because, boy, that. <laughs> that draft class has been fueling you <laughs> the last two for sure. Oh yeah. Well, what six draft picks, five starters, uh, out of that, out of that collection of players. Not yet. Not bad. And then it's until I mean, you got to pay them <laughs> soon. Well, and much less like when you're, you're talking about draft class previously, what was that? 2018 was the four man draft class, right? That's that's Rashawn, Harold Crookshank and Luke Falk. And I, it would be difficult to imagine, even Harold coming back next year. What, what do you gut feeling understanding that there's a bunch of time to go between even, even when they have to make a decision on the franchise tag, given that that window opened up this week for NFL clubs to be able to do that. They don't teams don't let 26 year old pass rushers at the peak of their powers walk. And yet that's very much a part of the conversation around Harold Landry. Do you think they are, better off letting him walk or do you think that they need to keep him i've gone back and forth with this so many times tough, the, man. The, the numbers don't make a whole lot of sense to me uh financially i do think if you lock him into a long long-term deal you can save some money on the front end of it this year as opposed to I, I definitely can rule out him playing on the franchise tag if they do decide to franchise tag him i think they're still going to work out some sort of deal um, but i think it's important to look at where the Titans have been over the last, what, six years under under John Robinson and just how difficult it's been for him to find those edge rushers that have double-digit sacks. I mean, this is the first time that a Titans had it since rack right in like 2016. So it's, yeah. it's been a while. Um, and so the fact that you hit on it and you look at the Titans and the, the their first round picks that they've had over the last couple of years too. And you haven't been able to hold on to them like a Jack Conklin. That was somebody he went on to Cleveland and was an all pro in his first season there. And you're just like, come on, this is should be quote unquote homegrown talent. And so I think for those reasons, the fact that John Robinson hasn't been able to hit and did finally and drafted a guy and developed him. And he's been so solid for you. Not to mention, I think he's missed a game and since he's been a Titan, uh, one. Yeah. No, it, he <laughs> uh, is, you've uh, got you've got the availability. He's been a role. He was a role player his rookie year, and then he was a full time starter the last th- you know three of the last four seasons, and he hasn't missed a game in three of the last four seasons. He's been yeah. he's been everything that you ask a player to be who's trying to earn a second contract with the franchise that drafted him. I mean, really durability, productivity, 
uh, and, and work ethic, like Harold's all of those things, even, if, even as much as, you know, we don't get the, we, we don't get a lot of Harold. No, not so much. Resistant, not resistance, the wrong word. Reticent is the correct word to describe Harold Landry's uh, approach with us vultures. Yes. Not rude by any means. It's no. just, you can tell he's very uncomfortable and doesn't want to be there. And that's totally fine. I understand it. I mean, there's some people in the media I don't want to hang out with too much. So I, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm no. just saying. Uh, name names right now. Do it. No, no. But I'm just saying, if you step up to a microphone and you see the, our collection of people, there's some people I would be like, I don't want it. I don't want you asking me questions. So no, I get it. Um, I'm just messing. I, I think we all are lovely human beings. She's talking about me beings. for the people listening. She's talking yes. about me for the people listening. Yeah. Me. Cause I think the last time I saw you at a Titans press conference was like years and years ago because Whoa. we do not, you and I do not sync up with our days. No, you're, you're there when I'm not there. Not that you're never there. Yeah. Well, I'm, like, I'm there. pretty much. Yeah. You camp out during, during training camp. That's when I see you most of the time, but I haven't been to Titans press. I mean, outside of Mondays, but anyway, we don't have to complain about schedules, but no, when it comes to the actual numbers and and what Harold Landry is going to command, it, he seems like a luxury on that defensive line, right? Because you do have so many, not just solid guys around him, but guys that either you have already paid in Bud Dupree, or you're going to have to pay in Jeffrey Simmons. And so you do look at him as a luxury, but again, when it comes to the history of John Robinson and what he's done with some of his higher draft picks and not being able to retain him and with an edge rusher in that position in general, that makes me lean more towards, I think they're going to try to make it work with him just because it is such a hard thing for him to hit on. And it did it multiple times in this off season. And so I think it's, it seems like a luxury and that you want to get the band back together. Um, but also based on just how difficult it's been for them to find a good solid pass rusher like him uh, from the edge. I think they've got to keep him. Yeah. And that's, and that's what he, he's above average, right? He's, he's yeah. not. I know I keep trying to hold myself back from saying elite no. because it's not 16, 17, 18 sacks, but it's a lot more than you've gotten from a Titan as of late. Right. right. Is that fair and, to say? And it's, and it's the sum of the parts, right? It's, it's not like, I don't think any of us, even as we, I think most people understood that Danico Autry was a, a good and solid fundamental football player. I don't think any of us foresaw what he would be able to basically free up for the rest of them while having opportunities to take advantage of one-on-one matchups. And, you know, uh, availability with Bud Dupree was a thing this year, uh, understandably for both him and Taylor Lewan working off the ACL recovery but I think it's I think it's foolish to to ignore the impact that he made in games like Seattle and Indianapolis when he was available to play in those games like there's no question I think you know the the Rashad Weaver thing is such a again we go back to kind of the conversation we were having earlier is you you just you have no idea what you have in that player other than a bunch of preseason snaps and I've I feel like we've all been around this enough to kind of throw preseason largely out as far as how it projects to regular season football um I mean as as far as I'm concerned I think I think you've already budgeted that money I think you've already given it to bud I, I don't know how you can justify doing that especially with Jeff's gonna make 20 million dollars a year am like yeah. I don't there's not you don't there's not a world in which you have all four of your front four players your starting front four players making second contract NFL money because they all would be at that point. Bud, Harold, Danico, I mean, Danico Autry on his third NFL contract, uh, given that he was undrafted 
out of uh, when he went to the Raiders initially. I just, I don't know how you make that work, especially when we're talking about the desperate need for offensive stability. And it feels like last year they were able to overcorrect on the defensive side of the ball and things kind of went to hell on the offense. Is there a part of you that, you know, leans on the, the Rams factor of it all and just says, why not? Why can't you have it all, right? I mean, that, yeah. I think I I keep thinking that, you know, like make it work. Why not? <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 very much in that camp because this is one of the few teams. Like, I mean, you know, not to put you on the spot, and I can stall uh, because I talk for a living. But like, how many teams are in a position to do what the Rams did based on current roster construction? Like, just in the AFC, narrow it down to the AFC, right? where you're looking at teams who are in a certain window with a certain amount of star power and the way that contracts are constructed going along with, you know, value rookie deals that you have put in place that, I mean, that aren't automatically going to be in the conversation every year just because of the strength of their quarterback, right? Where we're talking about Mahomes and Allen is probably those two. And then everybody else is just trying to basically get involved in the arms race. I mean, how many teams in the AFC is that four Five, maybe. Yeah, I mean, are you talking about like having some sort of Goff Stafford trade? No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about. I don't care about like mortgage, three years forging the down future. The road. They haven't had a first round draft pick in the last seven drafts. Los Angeles, like they're just selling everything off for parts, and you get lucky with OBJ for pennies, and then half of his contract structured in crypto, and Vaughn Miller, <laughs> the bulk of his contract being paid by Denver, like. The Titans already kind of had that luck break with Tannehill when the Dolphins were paying that freight in 2019. So, I mean, there are certain things that have to line up and a, por- a portion of it is just luck. But yeah, I'm I'm absolutely for, I don't care about three years, four years down the road. I care about the fact that Derrick Henry, the window to win with him is probably next season and or bust. Yeah, I mean, the window, I think, goes as Derrick Henry goes, certainly. Um, and it's just, it's what you value. Do you value proven talent and proven uh, commodities? Or do you, you know, value draft picks and being able to to build through that way? I think the Rams have struck a nice balance of, you know, we would much rather grab guys that are proven. But that also means that they got to draft really well in some of those later rounds, too. Um, and, you know, I, I look at Jamal Adams as a perfect example of just because you, you say that you want to go all in on somebody that's proven. I mean, I, did, that, I would say that for the most part, that didn't necessarily work out. Where was Seattle in the, in the postseason this year? And so it's it's not as easy as saying, OK, we're going to you know, sell the house to get Jalen Ramsey and we automatically know he's going to be awesome because there's always the point that he's not. I mean, look at the the poor Colts. I know a lot of Titans fans are feeling really bad for them right now. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place and selling off their future for Carson Wentz. And now it looks like they're just going to eat 15 million and do away with him without having any sort of backup plan because uh, they just don't like him that much. And so they, they've royally botched that position. I mean, I, I shouldn't say royally botched because Rivers got him to the playoffs, but like one year of Philip Rivers and what else? Uh, Jacoby yeah. Brissett. And, no, and I get uh, it. I feel like, you know, Chris Ballard walked into a really like untenable situation where Andrew Luck just decides to retire out of the blue. I don't think he was expecting that. But yeah, I mean, I think that they rival only the the Broncos with just <laughs> the last couple of years and trying to find a quarterback. It's It has not been uh, ideal from that standpoint. Um, so you do like where the Titans are in that position where it doesn't seem like they have to do a whole lot of roster overhaul. Uh, there's just a little piece of little, 
little things here and there. And again, I I do think that going back to the Harold Landry thing, he is a luxury when it comes to that standpoint. But I do think it's important to look at the history of how difficult it has been to land a position of that caliber for the Titans. And you do it and it just it stinks to think that you you get it done and then you let it walk. You uh, as somebody who pays close attention to the University of Tennessee, and we all basically do uh, in this market is probably the most gentle way that I could put it. Um, Alante Taylor, Cade Mays, Valus Jones Jr., all three guys who I watched at the Senior Bowl. I mean, who of those are you looking to see make the most headway for themselves in this combine process? Because we all know that pro days are there, but like, I mean, the conversation around Cade Mays was he would come back if he was going to make somewhere, uh, somewhere between third and fourth round money on an NIL deal. So clearly, like, these are guys who have options at their disposal, but on, on all three of them, it was tough to kind of get a read about how scouts felt about them at least a couple of weeks ago in Mobile. Yeah. Get it done. Spire sports. I know that uh, they're working hard to try to get Cade Mays to come back. And I L collectives, baby. They're out here. Certainly $25 million worth of business. I know. Isn't it fun? I didn't even know the, the word collectives. And now it's like all of a sudden it's just a kind of a catch all for all this sort of thing, but conversation yeah. for another day. Um, <laughs> No, I, I honestly really like uh, what, what Bayless Jones Jr. could do. And he's somebody that obviously hasn't been with the Vols his entire career, but just he has come out of, I don't say nowhere, um, but he's been able to, to make a real difference since transferring to UT and has only gotten better from that standpoint. Um, you know, looking at Elante Taylor, he, he earned us some cookies this year. So certainly he's done a good job in that standpoint. Um, but he's also somebody that I could have seen as a candidate for coming back. Um, And so that is still up in the air for him. And and I guess still could, he could come back potentially. I don't really know. Is it similar with how the NBA works? No. Test the waters. You got to commit if you get an agent, At at this point, and you know, with everything else that's changing in college football, who knows if that goes, but right now that if, if you, if you forego your eligibility in college football, you're out. Yeah. Okay. Well, then goodbye to Alante Taylor. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what Bayless Jones Jr. can do. And I think it, you know, there's, there's more of a, I guess, need for, for what he's able to do. And, and Cade Mays is somebody too, that, you know, I've covered him since high school and he's been an NFL prospect since then. Um, and so he's kind of always been on that trajectory, especially with his dad. And so I think that that can definitely help him out. Um, but the fact that he's willing to, you know, test the waters and, and see where, where he lands is, um, that's going to certainly be interesting, but out of, out of those three, I'd probably say I'm most excited about what Bayless Jones Jr. can do. Emily proud. W- what about you? Uh, the, I'm curious what you think. You were at the yeah, you were at the Senior Bowl. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's a just talking about Valus. I don't think he's a top 100 player right now, but I think he can make some money as a returner. I think that he, I think yeah. you can you can find versatility. I mean, this I think this is and this is basically what I talked to Greg Cosell and Coach Mack about all week long about you know how things are scouted in reality as opposed to all of us silly idiots making mock drafts on the draftnetwork.com and yeah uh, you know it's so this fun guy, though. Oh no, it's a great time. Listen, I'm, I'm like a, <laughs> I will make it. At least a hundred of those between now and April. Oh, that's for fun. sure. And listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna run those into the ground because we all got content to produce, and that's content, baby. But like, I think it's so disconnected from the reality of how people actually scout these players. And like, does a player need to be great unto himself to make it in the NFL, or is a specific coaching staff going to have an idea of how that player works in a certain skill set or in a certain function. I mean, we're talking about like Matthew Slater, who's retiring after 18 years is just a core special teams guy. 
and and jobs like that exist in the NFL. So I, you know, I one of the three is probably going to go on to have a uh, sustained, successful NFL career just based on the odds of how these things work. But you know, I, I'm I'm curious about it because he's there wasn't a lot of it's just not a lot of not a lot of sex appeal in this draft class. Offensive line, defensive line, based on the, the people that you talk to and. Um, you know, wide receiver is going to be going to be interesting, but I, I think he can I think he can make some noise. He can, yeah. he can hang As on. of late, the uh, Vols have put out some pretty decent wide receivers, too, that we see saw making some noise this past year. So we'll see. Wide oh. receiver, you <laughs> might go away from punter. You Who uh, knows? <laughs> no, let's let's not. Let's not get over our skis here, okay? You gotta, <laughs> let's avoid uh, let's avoid another seven and five season or seven and six season or whatever it was. And uh, let's see if Josh Heupel can't hang on for dear life with the way that you people, you Vols fans, work with your football program. It's insane. I mean, to me. we just it, in the back of our minds is when is the NCAA going to come down on some sort of ruling? You just you get when you have that hanging over your head for so long, it's just stressful. Come on, <laughs> get her done. What else you got going on? You don't have a date with the Supreme Court for a while, so you might as well <laughs> start ruling. 10 deep breaths or 20 short ones and whatever gets you through it. Uh, check her out on WKRN News 2. Are you are you doing hockey tomorrow or is that being relegated? Uh, no, I'm probably going to be talking about Ukraine and the various things happening in the world of news. So I make my transition tomorrow. Weekend. Oh, okay. Very nice. Is and the weekends I do. Is I that? Do oh, okay. I didn't know if that was like a full time thing that you were alluding oh, to. Oh, no. I was no. going to say, dear God. I got to keep sports in my life. Are you kidding me? This keeps me sane. Yeah. I'll see you. <laughs> Thanks, Buck. Go ahead and wrap things up on this Friday. When next we talk, we'll do the podcast from the combine. And I think we're going to have we, the last time we did one of these things, it's been a long time. It was me, Kaharski, and Rex Road in the hotel room, drinking Sun King Brewery beer, which is a local Indianapolis staple, and talking, I think, Tom Brady to the Titans at the time. It's been uh, quite a while since all of that took place. So the Combine episode is going to be fun on that Friday, and uh, I'll get into more details here in just a second. Right after I tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook and the great offer they have for you as an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs. 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's just that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code A2ZSports. That's A-T-O-Z Sports. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code A2ZSports at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus, Tennessee-only gambling problem called the Tennessee Red Line, one 800 889 9789 new customers only minimum $5 deposit eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details looking forward to heading up to Indianapolis great combine coverage coming your way make sure you're reading all of the great material we're pumping out at a to z sports.com and have a great weekend we'll talk to you from Indianapolis next week on the 615 sessions podcast